0: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good night, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Scott Lease, here with my good friend and partner, Richard Harris, and we are uh, only three weeks away from Surf and Sales in May, May 10th to 14th. If you've never heard of Surf and Sales, check it out: surfandsales.com. We've got some tickets available for our November session, and uh, yeah. We're brought to you by Richard. You remember our sponsors? I do. It is Sendoso
1: Scratchpad Outreach.io, which is click.outreach.io forward slash surf, click.outreach.io forward slash surf. Those are our sponsors for uh, this month And May. There we go. We're super excited about it. So.
0: And we are here today joined by our guest, Nadia Komnenich from uh, Lemlist. She's the head of business development and we've got a lot of interesting things to talk to her about. It's been a long time coming as we talked about before. Welcome to the show, Nadia. Thank
2: you, Scott. Lovely to be here and thanks for having me as well.
0: Yeah, no worries. Well, tell everybody real quick as a background, what is Lemlist for those who don't know? What do you all do? What is the mission and type of sale and all that kind of stuff?
2: Uh, definitely. So uh, lemons is a company that actually grew uh, bootstrapped uh, in the last three and a half years from zero to 10 million in the, uh, in uh, annual recurring revenue. So we have recently actually refused $30 million investment and decided to stay bootstrapped. Uh, I, see, <laughs> I see the reaction, so I'm assuming the, some follow-up questions are going to come. Yes. Uh, but the, the product itself, uh, like what we do is we help basically salespeople send emails get, that uh, get replies. Uh, we do that through our platform, which automates multi-channel outreach, but also through the content that we've been uh, uh, sharing and posting and educating on how to actually uh, properly personalize your outreach, how to conduct properly uh, cold outbound sales, and uh, make sure that you're getting replies and some demos on the calendars.
1: That is awesome. That is many, cool. many, many, many follow-up questions already. <laughs> Go ahead, Richard. I think the first one is, what do you mean you've got $30 million and you're staying bootstrapped? Like, you know, that's so we refused.
2: We actually got an offer last year to for a $30 million investment into the company, and we decided to refuse it. Uh, so we decided to remain bootstrapped to grow uh, grow the company using our own methods, like through outbound, through inbound, uh, creating the most actionable content in sales. And so far, uh, we've been doing pretty good.
1: Yeah, that that so and, may, and maybe you don't have privy to this, but did you go all the way through the process of fundraising and then waited for the term sheet and we turned it down, or was it like, yes. hey, so and so called us and it was like a you know it was like this conversation and they were serious, but. We said no.
2: <laughs> so from my understanding, but uh, I will I will uh, check up on this to make sure that I didn't get it right. But uh, it was actually a term sheet that was delivered. And that we...
1: did could you imagine going through that process and one, turning it down and two... I'm sorry, I'm raising my desk. How pissed off is the VC at that point? <laughs> it wow. was actually, uh, yeah. Sorry, it was this
2: question for Scott, <laughs> I apologize.
0: It's fine, it's fine. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't think it's as uncommon as you might think, Richard. Maybe uncommon in the sense of they're bootstrapped and turning something down, and that's kind of surprising. But there's a lot of term sheets that get tossed around, and, and you get term sheets from different VCs. Well, and, I, think I know, but you, okay. But some of them, the founders are saying no to because they don't like the terms, for example, or they, they like, you know, the relationships better at, VC A versus VC Group B that kind of thing And is the VC pissed yes the VC is pissed 100% they're pissed
1: yeah. that I get like I get like hey you're going out but there you're taking some. like if you go out and you talk to people and then you still turn them down because you're going to stay bootstrapped you know and that to me just <laughs> sounds interesting Like, I don't know what it's like to be a <laughs> Right?
0: Like, I don't know. I, I, if they're pissed off, who cares? Because that's what they do for a living, turning everybody down. So they get a little taste of their own medicine for once. Right. Right. You know? totally. I, think it, I think it's pretty admirable. And who knows what the, all the reasons why they turn yeah. the money down. But uh, it's not a story that you hear very often. So it's very cool. Very cool to think about. Yeah. Talk a little bit about um, how you all have built the brand. Because I, I'll tell you a little story that is the reason behind this question. I knew of Lemlist before I knew what Lemlist does.
2: <laughs>
0: so how did that happen? How did how did you all go about doing that?
2: Ain't that the goal of every marketing out there? So the the story kind of started the. Uh, Three and a half years ago when uh, Guillaume, our CEO, started uh, building the company from grounds up, uh, they each invested like $300 into the, into the business. Uh, so like it was two co-founders and him actually investing $300 each. And going from there, it was like t- uh, two years of founder-led sales. So Guillaume, uh, what he started doing, like he focused immediately on marketing. And he started building out the community uh, where he literally just delivered tons of tons of tons of value every single day, connecting uh, entrepreneurs, salespeople, recruiters, marketing into one place and sharing uh, everything that he was going through and very transparently doing so. Um, So the community over the years grew to uh, right now 20K uh, members. Uh, this community was a huge driving inbound engine for us. Um, and on top of that, like the content itself that we started producing was really focused on uh, every pain that salesperson is going through, which is how to send emails that actually get replies, how to create your cold on sequence. And the content itself started really kicking off because it was really actionable. Um, and uh, we provided like really cool, uh, cool, cold email templates. So going from there, uh, that was kind of the initial steps, but the biggest impact on the brand I do believe that it had was actually uh, us building our own personal brands, uh, specifically on LinkedIn. Uh, From um, Guillaume starting it out in the beginning to me kind of taking it over when I joined the company. Um, And right now my sales team and everybody in the company actually, so whether you're in marketing, development, uh, uh, sales, customer support, everybody's really actively posting on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, we've had like um, ebooks, uh, guides, uh, RCO helped us out how to do it properly. So uh, when I joined, like I was at 400 connections on LinkedIn. And uh, fast forward uh, two years, I believe, or even less, um, right now I'm at 15K connections on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, I'm speaking to you on your podcast and tons of others. And this has been a huge driver for the brand. And I believe that's kind of how you potentially came across Slumlist in the meantime.
1: So I love that. I love that it was strategic to, as you build the company, build the community. Mm. Like I think, and I think people think they're trying to do that, but they don't know, they're Mm. unwilling to put in the work. Yeah. And now everybody's racing to communities. I think mm. Scott, I, I'd be willing to bet, Scott, if you tried to build a new business like an actual SaaS product, you you would do the same thing. Like I know, I know as yeah. a leader, you did this with your team,
0: right? As you yeah. Did in Qualia, so yeah, different uh, different reasons for me doing that and teaching my team. Um, and it, it was more for recruiting purposes, specifically when I got started to make recruiting easier for the company but same kind of concept, right? <clears throat> and I, that is how I heard of Lemlist was because I formed a relationship with Guy and that, that was where like I first heard about it and got to know him. And I think I was on his show a couple of years ago. Um, I know I was on his show a couple of years ago. And then, you know, only later on is it like, oh, Lemlist, there's like a product actually. And <laughs> I discovered this kind of after the, uh, the fact. So what would be your message to founders and sales leaders out there who kind of admonish their team for spending too much time on LinkedIn, specifically creating content or brand building and they think you know people are being selfish or not spending enough time in the business? What would be your rebuttal to those folks?
2: I would be, uh, it would be definitely that uh, they're missing out on the biggest opportunity there is currently uh, to leverage uh, your company's champions. Uh, because as you said, the beauty of actually building out content on LinkedIn is not only that your company gets, like your company brand gets out there, uh, but you're creating a room for, as you said, like recruitment, for uh Potentially finding new like customers, uh, building out relationships with people, being able to network, creating partnerships, like every single area of your business can flourish really when you're actually present on LinkedIn and you're, the fact is like people relate to people. So they're not relating to companies and once they can kind of put a face to the brand, uh, as you said, like you mentioned G immediately, like when we started talking about Lambless, like it kind of creates this, it. Enables you to put a culture of your company across, uh, not just like talk about it, like when you're recruiting people in the first place. Yeah.
1: What? Um. How do you engage? And I don't know if it's possible, right? Um. You know, it's for me. It feels easy for sales and marketing people to get this concept of of the community. Mm. Um. If I've got a team of you know the product builders, the engineers, right, who You know, that's not their job. Like that's so far from them. Do you coach them on doing this? Do you kind of say, you know what, we're not, they need to be spending their time anyway, building the product. Like it's very different. Their audience would be different on LinkedIn. Like, do you, do you kind of look at it department wise or is like, no, we, we get everybody to do it. And they understand because of what, where we are, and we're bootstrapping and they get it.
2: I think everybody kind of at landless place, everybody gets it because we see the impact that it has. So like uh, they can see like uh, how much it uh, it has done for me, how much it has done for Guillaume, how much it has done for the entire company. And it's also, it's not only just for the company. That's that's the truth in, in itself. Because right now, like if I were to look for, potentially a new job I wouldn't be even looking for a job people would come to me offering me jobs right. totally. uh, I'm able to connect with other people like network share experiences so it's not about like just bringing value to the company I personally right now if I had to choose between um, you know rep- giving up my LinkedIn or giving up a year of my salary I would never give up my LinkedIn profile so like it's just how much I value it at the moment and I know that I like with my LinkedIn I can build the the company around my linkedin uh, that's a,
1: a right. heck of a
0: that's a heck of an okay, endorsement I might, I right might there back. That
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me ask you this question though how much do you you know based on your role where do you look at things like facebook or um instagram like are you also trying to do that too or is it like no our fish don't really swim there uh, maybe we do a little bit but we don't
2: Actually, I, I have, have my own YouTube channel. <laughs> so on top of everything, I've started a YouTube channel. That's where I started posting. Um, on Facebook, we have this huge community. So like that's where I'm active, but not as much. We have like community manager that uh, take care takes care of the community. But I would say that like it's definitely about like just picking a channel. If you um, if you kind of get too lost and you focus on too many things, you're not gonna be able to uh, produce quality content. Um, but and I would say, like, about, combining, sorry,
1: yeah. What about TikTok? Is is there value oh, for sales stuff on? TikTok? I
2: would say that there is a huge potential right now with TikTok that I'm just refusing to accept at the moment. Uh, but I, uh,
0: yeah, I that resonates with me a great deal. <laughs> There's huge potential on TikTok that I refuse to accept <laughs> at the moment. I love that. <laughs>
1: I got, I got one more question, unless Scott has something around this, because I'm going to shift the topic. Scott, you have else on the community stuff? No, go ahead. Go ahead. As, you know, so I'm looking at your profile on LinkedIn, and your banner says, do what you shouldn't. Hmm. Where does that come from for you? What does that mean personally, even professionally? Like, what? I love it. I love you know anything that's, that's against that norm, right? Hmm. Where does that come from for Nadia?
2: It comes from uh, um, my belief in our company's believe this is actually our motto that uh, uh, when you follow the things that everybody are doing, like you're just kind of doing the things that everybody's doing and like you're not making any difference or like being any different. Uh, it comes from belief that like to do, th- to figure out what works for you, you need to experiment, think outside of the box and really uh, go out of your comfort zone to really figure out um where you're good at and like what are your strengths and not be afraid to fail or um, from and learn from your mistakes and your experiments cool
1: that's great that's great what have, what has been i'll let you answer it personally and professionally what has been your biggest achievement following that mindset mm.
2: I would say building a personal brand
1: <laughs> because when I
2: started, actually I was always like, is everybody else really, really, uh, scared. Uh, I was kind of uh, hesitant to what people will think and all these types of things. Um, uh, but, uh, for me, it was something that I shouldn't do. Uh, and I kind of went along and did it anyway. Um, so that was one of those things uh, that I do believe that kind of, um, made a huge impact on me and, uh, On top of that, I know he had kind of a different, uh, different idea, Um, but uh, I would say that uh, once my eyes kind of started leading the team with empathy and with kindness, instead of like what was typically required from like a fast growing startup, focusing on like a hustle culture and really like burning out the team and like pushing to the quota, etc. And I kind of accepted obviously for the last two years we went through uh, epidemics and then now we're my team is also going through the war crisis. So I kind of had to adapt and I'm really taking this em- empathetic leadership uh, type of approach um, which might have not been something that somebody would do it at our speed of growth but for me it worked out and I'm um, really, really, really happy that I went with that type of leadership.
0: Can you talk a little bit right now about what it's like to lead a team with so many people impacted by the the world the yes. and the crisis <laughs> i mean i can't even begin to understand how i can even ask people to focus on mm-hmm. the work
2: yes it's definitely um uh a nightmare in its own uh, in terms of like emotionally you're also like close with with these people so like you're kind of you're being affected as well to from what they're going through um but i would say that um the The fact that they feel supported, that they feel uh, not pressured to actually perform and at, edit at their finance because obviously they can't do it right now is like what helps us a lot. And for me, like I feel like my leadership for the last two years was more me wearing a, a therapist hat than uh, wearing a sales yeah. coach hat for the last two years.
0: I mean, are are they even able to get online? Are are you are they able to? get their paycheck i mean I'm, i don't know anything about the level of crazy disruptions i'm just thinking about the simplest things that we take completely for granted in order to do your job those those things for many of them are completely disrupted
2: exactly exactly so like as you said like getting paychecks was an issue getting a line was an issue obviously like when the war started uh, it was uh, like we obviously gave them like a time off and like just kind of let them uh, figure out their own living situation and what is happening. Nobody was pressured to go back to work. Like they came back when uh, they felt it was the time. Uh, and uh, those that are right now like uh, working remotely, I would say, and like in the in uh, suburban areas of Ukraine, uh, they're able to go online and actually uh, perform. And the good thing is always like this uh, work is one thing that is right now constant in their lives. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gets them to uh, focus on work and know that this is something that helps their families as well, because a lot of Ukrainians right now are not able to uh, bring income to, the, to their families. So work yeah. is one constant that kind of helps them out uh, in this case and uh, what makes them kind of sane at the end of the day.
1: What are, are there, are there any, uh, You know, because I I would do it, but I want to encourage anybody who's listening, are there any organizations you guys support that support these people? Because I'm happy to sort of drop that organization name here.
2: Definitely. So I will, uh, I will, like, if you don't mind, like, I will just uh, send you the um, official organizations that are uh, helping support Ukrainian people through this crisis. Um, And um, I would say that, like, those are the ones that uh, everybody, like, should support if obviously they want to. Right. Um,
1: And yeah. Do you know the name just off the top of your head? Do you know a name of a couple of them?
2: Honestly, no, (laughs) I know. I've just, I just have links. We'll we'll get them in the
1: show notes. I just want to make sure that, you know, as we're talking about this, it's super important. I know I've, I know Surf and Sales has donated to um, the American Red Cross and to Doctors Without Borders, knowing that those are the kind of places that we know the money will get to the place. Like I want to make sure the money gets there. Right. So Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Let's, uh. Let's pivot out of this a little bit. I want to go back to a little bit of what your product is doing in kind of helping people um, connect with prospects and buyers and, and, you know, get emails opened and, and this type of thing. How do you feel about this personalization at scale phrase that has been thrown around for quite some time? doable bs what do you think
2: i personally hate the phrase because it's been overused and it's been wrongfully used like when people actually started doing it it wasn't done in a proper way so personalization itself should be uh that like should be implemented in your outreach but uh, the fact that some like certain companies and like uh, certain people like misused it it gave a bad rep to the personalization itself. Uh, I would say the personalization always have to go along with relevance. Uh, for me, those kind of a, those two cannot go uh, one without, it, without, without another. Um, and uh, I personally, like I'm personalizing uh, every single email that I send out. Uh, and uh, I do believe that personalization has a huge, huge, huge impact. It is possible to do it at scale. However, um, the way to do it is, again, like we can go into the details, but uh, I do not think it's bullshit. It's just about being very strategic
0: about it. So you said it's about relevance. So how does one go about being relevant at scale?
2: So, for example, I will give you an, an example of how we do it at Lumlist. So what we're looking for, uh, the way that we approach lead generation in the first place is we split our leads into buckets. So we would look for triggers, for patterns, for buying signals that will tell us uh, that uh, these companies are right now in the stages of uh, potentially buying our product. Um, so for us, for example, it might be like uh, any company that is right now hiring SDRs, a recently appointed VP of sales, a company that got funded or a company that is expanding. So those are four buckets that we are using and having those buckets, that's how we would create our campaigns as well. Uh, that helps us actually then personalize a bit at scale. So we would always like let's say they're having job ads, We'll be able to say like, saw so in your recent job ads that your team are, is gonna do like cold outbound campaigns, et cetera. So it does feel personalized to the prospect and feels relevant because it is what they're going through at the moment. and then we're able to personalize a bit more on top of that.
1: Keep going, Scott, I'm taking notes. And the And the return,
0: is what like, what's the difference i guess in the data between people who are not operating this way versus people who are operating this way how big of a lift would somebody expect to get
2: i can tell you from my own experience from the model from the early days of my career when i was not personalizing and sending uh, standard templated cold emails i was getting Uh, up to maximum 5% reply rate. So those were like, I don't know, 1%, 2%. It was really a high volume of emails that I I was sending. Uh, And uh, today, the minimum reply rates that I'm getting are 25% reply rates. So this is a huge lift in reply rates that you can expect. And obviously following the replies, you're looking at the conversion that you're receiving. So right now, out of 100 emails that I send, I can expect minimum 10 demos booked, Previously, I was hoping to get that ten demos that booked out of thousands of emails that I was sending.
1: Them. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Richard. No, that, I mean that's just amazing. So, um, how do you how do you feel like the space is growing? Right. So there's there's this space that you swim in, you know, whether it's sales laws, and the outreaches and you and you know, lavender and some of the others, but then it feels like they're getting even more micro spaced right? Mm-hmm. Specialties. Do you see mm. that happening? Do you see that as well, like based on differentiation? Like how do you see that? How do you see it? Guess listen, sure. How do you see this evolving?
2: Mm. For sure. I would say that it, as you said, like it, it gets more granular and there are companies that are right now growing that are really specific, like laser focused on certain aspects of sales process, such as personalization. So, for example, uh, I've recently started like talking to a company called User Gems. Uh, what they do is they basically give you a signal if a employee of your, if a customer of yours, has moved to another company. The reason for that is because you can use it as a trigger to actually personalize your outreach. Right. So, can you imagine just how much in details companies are right now going and where they're being focused on? Um, I would say that uh, all of these soft. Um, soft and uh, very gentle uh, ways that you can like add on top of your outreach are going to blossom and that people are going to really leverage uh, these tools a lot. Um, so I would say that the market is just expanding and booming in a crazy way. Uh, and hopefully it will not replace the salespeople one day, um, which I do not believe it will happen.
1: No, I don't. I don't. So but here's the other question. How does mm-hmm. phone engage? Right? Like nobody calls me, right? Like, look, I'll do the, here we go. <laughs> Watch this. 415 596 9149. 415 596 9149. I post my my phone number all over the place. I'm like that, like that idiot who posted his, his social mm. security number and drove it around town, right? If you remember that commercial. <laughs> but nobody ever calls, right? So, you know, I, and I, I'm definitely not saying the phone is dead because I don't think it is. Mm. how do y'all view the phone as part of this, you know, connection place?
2: I would say that like the reason that maybe for the last two years uh, the phone kind of ah uh, died a bit and like went to went silent is because obviously we had pandemics so it was impossible to get to people on the on the phone. Um then people started like focusing on emails, social became like a huge challenge for everybody, um, channel for everybody. So like those kind of platforms started performing and it's easier to do them because you can do it at scale, you can monitor your reporting, and then you don't like have your SDRs like on the phone all day. So I do believe that that is the reason that kind of phone went a bit silent, but I do believe that uh, things evolve in chain in sales. Uh, so as soon as one channel becomes more popular, the other one becomes um, more important because as you said, right now, whoever calls you, they're gonna get you on the phone, but who sends you emails and so- social media touches, etc., it's gonna get harder. So I think it's kind of a constant ups and downs between the channels and like a battle Uh, of what is kind of being used the most
1: so doubling doubling down on phone what do you think about cold texting and or cold facetiming i just saw somebody one of our guests started doing cold facetiming the other day and
2: i really don't like that i know i I mean that's been the trend that i saw like even last year i personally really really disapprove of that approach Uh, i do i do think that it's very uh Invasive of somebody's privacy, like you're it's just not something that I personally would like to encounter. So insane!
0: I wouldn't even pick up a cold Facetime from Richard. If I mean, you just randomly <laughs> Facetime me, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't answer.
1: This is this is true. This is true. What, what about uh, texting? What do you think about texting?
2: The texting, I think it can be a, a good option if you've already at least had some uh, previous touches and warm touches with the prospect. So, like, if it's a really cold, cold text in that case not so sure but like if you already kind of had some responses you've started kind of communicating with them mm, potentially but again i kind of text people on whatsapp once we've built a relationship and once we've exchanged phone numbers and they've given me a permission to actually speak there
1: but but aren't we supposed to do what we shouldn't isn't isn't that what you were saying earlier oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, All right, you
2: sorry
1: I, I get to be, i'm the snarky asshole on the on the show <laughs>
0: I want to talk about the community piece. You said you got 20,000 members of the Lemless community. Let's say somebody out there is listening and they've built a community or in the process of building a community. How do you think about the ratio of, of delivering value and then asking or monetizing, asking for something in return or monetizing said community? There's, there's some people whose entire business is monetizing the community. That's it. That's their only business model. But how do you balance all of that? Uh, can you define out? some people? Because like,
1: I, <laughs> I know some people, you know, like you. Well, know. I mean, I,
0: I, would rather not.
1: <laughs> I would rather not.
0: I would rather I not. Don't, I don't need to start, you know, something. Okay. I don't need to start a high school fight. Right, uh, But, there, but there, are, there are those out there that like are very focused on just monetizing you know, the community. And there's nothing wrong to me with monetizing the community. But if it's ask, 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 ask all the time. So I'm just trying to understand and, and hopefully give some guidance to, to other folks out there. Like you have a very large community. How do you think about the balance of monetizing it versus delivering value to them and that kind of exchange?
2: Uh, I would say that uh, we've never monetized our community. So like in a very direct way. So like we've never had like an ask.
0: No direct monetization.
2: Exactly. No direct monetization. It was always just like uh, deliver value, deliver value, deliver value. And uh, it will get back to you naturally. So like if you monetize community, in my perspective, that's like not the community. It's just a business for you. And then it's just a moment of... Um, I think that once you just deliver value, you're going to get so much more than when you actually ask for something. So um, it's just like the, playing the, the long game. And uh, for us, like the way that we've potentially like monetize it, again, was through the value. So we're like, we've been having uh, uh, two cold email, uh, one called email masterclass and one LinkedIn masterclass. And that's what we were uh, at one point, obviously, like promoting in the community. It was obviously like the paid masterclass that we were doing. But again, it was, again, delivering value through that content. Yeah. That and so be able to,
0: to, to be very, very clear and transparent, what would you define as indirect monetization?
2: So I would call it like, as, as right now, like what I would mention. So like um, webinars, podcasts, uh, etc., that uh, uh, are being sponsored. We are not doing them, but I would say that like, I know that some communities are um and uh like for example the master classes that we've been uh, inviting people on uh, that they were uh, obviously paid for that's the indirect monetization i would say but uh, asking something very directly i i mean we've never we've never even mentioned the list like okay these are our features etc like people in the community asked the questions and we were responding to them but that's it
1: interesting that's really really cool i like it um, and I think that's what we've all done, right. For those of us who have built a community, mm. I think we all knew originally, well, we built the community because we just knew people would reach out to us at some point. And then kind of like, you know, like anything else, the community gets a, becomes a micro community, right. And then exactly. there's an even more micro community, right. So Scott's got surfing and sales and he's got Thursday night mm. sales and then he's got Scotty's little sales club and he's built that community and, and earned the right, as I like to say to, to monetize it without asking for money right and i think it's the same thing right um and that's why we all did it that's why we all built our communities over the years and and Mm. it's never too late Mm. let me let me ask you this let's say you hire a new sales rep right over there and it's a new sdr BDR, and you know they got four or five hundred if they're lucky connections on linkedin how do you what do you teach them now because it never is too late to build your community. And I think we all, I'll I'll sound like the asshole, we all see each other's stuff because we've been doing this for so long. And so sometimes they might be intimidated by, well, how am I gonna get to not Mm -hmm. this point? So what's your advice Mm -hmm. for people, no matter how many connections they have to just start their community building? Where would you tell someone to start?
2: I would say the first thing is in the mindset that you shouldn't give a a crap about what people will think uh, simply because uh, uh, if people are going to judge you for what you're going to post or create uh, and and the way that you're going to develop yourself, those are not the people that you even care about what they're thinking. So that's kind of the first mindset part. Uh, Because I do know that the reason that a lot of people don't even start it in the first place. And when it comes to like, at least like, uh, let's say, focus on like the LinkedIn um, branding and like posting. um, It's about finding the audience that you want to talk to. uh, Identifying what are the topics that they care about. uh, What are the content that they might not be seeing enough? Let's let's say
1: I'm new. Like, let's say I'm new. I, I don't know anything. I don't know. I mean, this is my first sales job. I just graduated. You know, I don't know what I, I don't know what I should be talking about yet. Like, how do you encourage, what would you I mean, I know what I would say. I know what, I think I know what Mm. Scott would say, but what's that advice?
2: So what I would do personally is like, I would start talking to the people that I want to, that I want to post content for. So like, and I would ask them, what are the topics that you're not seeing enough? What are you interested to hear about more? Like, what is that? Like, what are the topics and content that is missing or that you like to read Etc. Then following the thought leaders in that specific space, uh, and seeing what they're writing about, following like the type of content they're creating, the format of the posts, etc. Learning from the others and kind of gathering what works, and then just trying it out and figuring it out as you go. um, Consistently, like trying to experiment with posts with uh, different content ideas, etc., and then seeing just uh, what works for you. engaging with others even before creating the content i think it's like engaging with uh, others through their content posting comment commenting on their posts um building relationship with them going to the dms and like starting conversation uh once you have like this small community around you then you can kind of boom it boom it and grow it uh, from
1: there where by the way you guys have a great community right there's a lot of salespeople listening to this where is your community if I'm in sales and I want to join the LinkedIn <laughs> community, like where do, where do I go? Like, is it just a, limp, do we go to and on LinkedIn and just connect there? Or have you built something offsite?
2: It's actually on Facebook. Uh, I personally am not such a huge fan of that channel. Uh, but the reason that we built it uh, on Facebook uh, some years back is because we wanted to kind of make it a community that is not tight work. So it's like not on LinkedIn, not on Slack, not on everywhere, like on the tool that you're u- typically using, but on your social media where you feel comfortable and you're just chatting with people and it makes you feel you know, at ease without thinking
1: of work. I think, you know, I can see that value of, if you find a community like this on Facebook, your mindset on Facebook isn't business oriented where it is on mm. the, right? mm. like I, can, I that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Imagine the, the headache trying to migrate a community from Facebook to somewhere else. Right. not is not having a meltdown, just thinking about it. Right like, yes. Imagine trying to migrate this Facebook community of 20,000 people to Slack or Discord or even LinkedIn. Mm. Right? Big, big change management issue there.
2: Exactly. Right? exactly. We have built uh, a separate community, which is right now on Discord and on Lamverse, which is a virtual office. Um, basically, it's a community for bootstrapped founders. So again, like another community that we're building and it's uh, again, like a diff- kind of a similar, but a different area of, uh, of focus uh, because obviously our CEO is a bootstrap founder. So he's sharing his own experiences in that community as well. I,
1: I, I was gonna say, has he written that book yet? You know, the title of the book is what it's like yes. to turn down $30 million, right?
2: the book the book is going out soon but it's not, that's not the title <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome and you know we're getting to the end and, and in a minute we'll you know we'll let you ask us a question but first I want to give a uh shout out to Scratchpad SindoSo sendoso outreach click.outreach.io forward slash surf uh, for sponsoring us um we'd love to and appreciate all that they do um so please go take a look at them if you're looking uh, always pay attention to Linlist. They got something different going on, so you know, we're happy to happy to have Nadja do that. So, uh, reach out to her on LinkedIn as well. She's got a great community and following, puts out great content. Follow Limlist, obviously on Facebook too in their community. But uh, with with that being said, Nadja, what what questions would you like to ask us?
2: So, Richard, I have a question for you that kind of just crossed my mind before when we were talking, and it's the question that you've asked me. So, like uh, you said, like you had your own thoughts. So like whenever somebody's starting, so basically just backfiring the question to you. So like whenever somebody's starting a community or trying to build their personal brands, what would you do? Because I saw like you had a thought in your mind.
1: Yeah. Um, I would tell you to, to not do what I did, which is I messed up with the <laughs> community. Scott knows this story. Um, At <laughs> you know, the beginning of the pandemic, I um, went out and, and did some free training, like who needs to just trying to put some good karma out there. And I had like a thousand people registered and I didn't know what to do with it. I wasn't big on the You know what I mean? Like not not just looking at me going, oh my God, Richard, you're kidding me. Like right? a thousand people registered and you didn't like embrace that? No. Um, so don't do what I did. Do the opposite. Um, but I, I agree with you hundred percent on um, maybe the first step is to just follow people and to like and comment. I think that's really mm. important because you will actually, as you comment, you will actually create followers, right? Mm. I think, and, and it's a light lift, right? Mm. It's like, you know, you're not putting yourself out there so vulnerable. The second thing I would say is, um, to your point around the mindset, like I, I love that you said, the first thing is around the mindset is don't, it's not so much. Don't worry about what people think for me. It's a little bit like, don't worry about if you don't get a lot of response. That means nobody saw it,
2: which Mm. then means
1: they're not thinking about you, which is okay. Mm. And you're just practicing, right? Like that, you get so much opportunity to practice and figure out and find your voice and your tone of voice. And, you know, if you look at the way I do stuff versus Scott, I tend to be a little bit more snarky and sarcastic. Mm. And um, in some cases it might hurt me more, whereas Scott is very deep and mindful and, and thought provoking in a different way than I am um so I think you know you just do stuff and don't worry about it try not to worry about it too much and it'll find you your mm. brand will kind of find you over time as you start to comment and write things so that's I think that's my advice
2: I love it and Scott a question for you as well because Richard just shared his own mistake in the past uh, so what was one of the mistakes that you regret around building your own uh, community brand or like anything outside the kind of first comes to your mind
1: that was hiring me 13
0: years ago i know yeah (laughs) yeah that's definitely the biggest mistake uh the only mistake that i would say is that i started too late Hmm. i didn't well number one i'm old enough that things like linkedin didn't exist when i was first getting started so I give myself a little bit of a hall pass for that, but I, I, I don't think I really just understood how powerful a network and a community could be um, kind of coming up without one and not having a model for a good one and being a fairly introverted, non-social person by nature. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of just stayed away from it and only got into it in my mind as a necessity to try to help build some of these companies that I was, you know, working at as a VP of sales. So that's my, my mistake, if you will, is starting too late. Um, But even so, I mean, you just said at the beginning of the show, two years ago, you were at 400 connections and now you're at, you know, thousand or something like that. Um, That's massive growth in two years. Right. And I went from, a couple thousand to 30,000 in roughly the same kind of, you know, timeline. And, you know, now I'm at 83 something, 83.5 maybe. Um, And now the challenge is to keep going rather than say, okay, I'm good. Like this is enough. Um, And trying to continuously find new and somewhat interesting you know, content to share, stories to tell, reasons to post every single day. Um, so that that's not really... So maybe my second mistake would be I have allowed myself sometimes to become complacent with the community. And Richard knows this. Like, sometimes I just feel like I don't fucking have anything to say today. And, and, and I feel sometimes this sense of obligation, like, well, there's all these people waiting for me to, you know, Mm. be brilliant today. It's like, I don't feel brilliant today. Mm. I I feel like I have nothing to say, nothing new to say. Right. Um, And so that's, that's one of my struggles is maybe, you know, continuing with the same level of intensity and care and concern and creativity for putting content out there and growing the network. And I thought about it very intentionally at the beginning, growing the network. And now I'm just like, I don't care. What's the difference between 83,000 and 90,000, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a potential pitfall, you know, for somebody like yourself that has already made it through the beginning. You've already, mm-hmm. you know, gone through the like, nobody knows who I am part to now people know who you are. But there's multiple levels beyond that. And each one, I think, kind of presents its own unique challenge sometimes, you know? Hey, Scott, do me a favor. I I was going to call you, but, you know, yesterday- You're about about to to cold FaceTime me right now? Is that what
1: you were about to (laughs) Exactly. Go to your post on LinkedIn right now. Remember, so yesterday, and I want people to know that this is how it works, right? So yesterday, you and I posted almost identically the same thing.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: (laughs) Um, How many views of that post did you get?
0: Oh, this is a real, a real scenario. You're telling me to look up. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm going as fast as I can here. My post yesterday.
1: Yeah. That one we did to voicemail or not to voicemail.
0: Yeah. 15,000 views.
1: I posted it. I posted it first. Scott copied and pasted it. 2,130 <laughs> versus 15,000.
0: So this is an important lesson actually, because right. I talk to people all the time who are like, If I just produce good content, I'll get a following. And I'm telling you, that is fucking bullshit. Good content doesn't win because we just posted the same thing. I think I maybe changed one word or two. That's it. And not an important word. It was like tagging Richard instead of tagging Scott. That's it. The audience size matters a great deal. And then the level of engagement of your audience How connected you are as an authentic creator matters a great deal, right? And Richard has 55,000 followers to my 83,000 followers. It's not like he has a small following, but that's the 3,000 views versus 15,000 views, basically. Five times the difference. I don't have five times the following that he has,
1: right? But it's, but I, I, this is the thing too, and this goes back to community and now we're lecturing, but anyway, um, one is Scott is very disciplined about posting every day. I am not. So I know that helps. His content is very good. He also has two or three other communities that are built off this community. And so they all feed each other. So there is a, for lack of a better phrase, there's a Scott lease with a three-pronged community approach, right? He's got. Scott Lees on LinkedIn. He's got Thursday night sales and he's got his, his Patreon group. So no. um, all of those things lead to this. And so, but I want what other people to listen to who are listening is don't worry about being a Scott Lease because Scott Lees and I started somewhere, not just started somewhere. We all started at zero and you just got to give it the time, right? You just got to give it the time to get it done. So, um, so, I don't know. Nadja, have you guys done that with your team? Like, Hey everybody, go post this post. It's not marketing-ish, but sales and people get different, you know, visibilities.
2: Yes, definitely. I had uh, one of my best performing posts I've written like in two minutes and I didn't even like think about it. Uh, The similar post was written by my teammate, obviously like it was just like not getting the same response. So it's just, uh, I would say like um, LinkedIn algorithm as well like plays a huge part in, uh, in getting the engagement the more active you are, the more connections you have, the more people comment on your posts, the more you comment on somebody's posts, like it all plays a role in the engagement that you will have at the end. And like, you might be just like unlucky for to post in the time that people are just not following in. So it's all of these
1: things matter. Totally agree, totally agree. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. We really appreciate it. Thanks for spending no some time. time with us and uh, stay in touch if we can ever be helpful to you and the team.
1: Likewise, really. And, th- thank you so much for having conference. me. It was really a pleasure. Nadja, you or, or you guys need to run a spiff and have somebody come to the surf and sales event. I think you guys would have a good. time.
2: So, I'm not hearing you, Richard. What's that? Ah, sorry, I didn't hear you. No, I was I'm saying you me. need
1: to, you or you and or some folks at Limless need to come down to the surf and sales event in Costa Rica. Like you know, Oof. run a contest, right? Like it's a <laughs> long contest. So we'd love to have. That, uh, that
2: I might I might actually take you up on that for sure. Cool. It's in May, right?
1: Yeah. So there's one in May. One in, one in May and two in November. Yeah.
2: Oh, nice for my birthday. <laughs> Perfect.
1: There you <laughs> go. So. All right. Thanks, Nadia.
2: Likewise. Likewise. Yes. Bye bye.